Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is an audio version of the 24th annual DICE Awards Roundtable Series. To watch the video of this episode, please visit youtube.com slash official AIAS. Brought to you by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, this is the award celebration by game makers for game makers, honoring the games that connect players around the globe. No matter where we come from or what our interests, video games bring us together. We gather here to honor our fellow creators and the very best of interactive entertainment. Welcome to the 24th Annual Dice Awards. Hi, everybody. I'm here with the nominees for Outstanding Achievement in Story. Welcome again to the 24th Annual Dice Awards Developer Discussions. Uh, we are super fortunate to have them all here to be able to talk about the games they've made. Uh, and let's get into some introductions. From 13 Sentinels Aegis Room, we have Ariane Avincula. How are you doing? Great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good, good, good. Uh, super excited to have you here. Please give the folks a little bit of info about you and the work that you've been doing. Uh, so I'm the communications manager here at Sega, representing the Vanillaware, Atlas, and Sega teams. Uh, coming up as well, we have from Ghost of Tsushima, we have Nate Fox. How you doing, Nate? Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. Give the folks at home a little bit of info about the work you've been doing. Uh, well, I'm a game director on Ghost of Tsushima, and I kind of cut my teeth in uh, video game narrative as the writer and, uh, and also a game designer on all the Sly Cooper games. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Some of my favorites as well. Uh, over from Hades, we have Greg Kasavin. How are you doing, Greg? Hey, doing really well. How are you? Good. Excited to, to have you here. Give the folks a little bit of, of background info on you as well. Yeah, um, I'm a writer and creative director at Supergiant Games. So um, I've worked on Hades and uh, all of our games ever since uh, the good old Bastion days, a little over 10 years ago, along with our small team uh, here in San Francisco. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, from Kentucky Route Zero TV edition, we have Jake Elliott. How are you doing, Jake? Hi, I'm great, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I uh, work with this uh, small studio cardboard computer on, on the game Kentucky Route Zero. It's kind of the only game that we've made so far, but, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm the writer um, and also kind of programmer, but the, the story of the game is really co-creation between the, th the three of us who work on it. Um, kind of came up with the story together. And rounding out our crew from The Last of Us 2, we have Neil Druckmann. How are you doing, Neil? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm co-president and director and writer at Naughty Dog, and I've been writing at Naughty Dog since Uncharted 1. Uh, and I was, uh, had a co-writer as well in this game, Hallie Gross. Again, thank you so much, everyone, for being here and, and for giving us some of your time uh, during the award show. Uh, you know, having a conversation around storytelling is, is one that's kind of broad and, and we can go for hours about those conversations. But I, I want to dig into, you know, storytelling has so many different forms, dance, books, movies, you know, even sometimes limericks can play them, themselves into that equation. Uh, but what in this medium makes, you know, the storytelling more interesting? You know, what are some of the things that when you're coming to the games that you've made that you've wanted to definitely kind of nail uh, in terms of getting the stories across to the audience? Uh, I'm going to start off with, with, with you, Nate. Uh, I want to hear some some 
commentary about, you know, you know, what it was like to kind of conceive the stories that you had and, and what was the kind of driving force behind it? Well, I think one thing that video games are just really fantastic at is uh, it, it's as simple as you, you describe your experience playing, I died, I did this thing. You have a lot of feeling of, of presence and emotional um, kind of just immediacy in what's going on. And so I, I get really excited by that when the narrative uh, gets you so involved that you feel like you're a part of it, that you, you get lost, you get sucked into the screen in a way that it's harder to do, at least for me with traditional media. And uh, at least with Ghost of Tsushima, one of the things that we tried to do was uh, have the hero's growth in the kind of verbs that they do, the actions they do, mirror the choices that the hero is making that transform his relationship with the people around him so that you're actively making decisions through second to second gameplay that then uh, you know, propel that transformation. That's something that you can really only do in video games where you're uh, culpable for the, the bad acts, for the heroic acts, but you're there for every step of the way and you guided it. And I think that is what makes video games so totally special. Greg, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. You know, story building in, in terms of Hades is, is very, very intricate in the way it kind of connects all those pieces together and, and also kind of pulls from, you know, mythologies and, and lore in that way. I'd, I'd love to hear how, you know, you know, writing for video games is, is very different in that way as well. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, Nate spoke to something I, I really agree with uh, also that, um, you know, it's the interactivity, the, the sense of presence um, and immersion that makes storytelling and games so rich with potential. Um, it's, it's your experience as well as the experience of, you know, whichever uh, character you happen to be portraying. And it creates this really interesting uh, balance between the two where, you know, you feel both like it's yours and you're kind of spectating something. And games are also really interesting in that it's kind of a long form medium in many cases. Um, Although it's all over the place, right? There, there are games that can be over within the span of a of a movie, and there are games that can be played for hundreds of hours. And when a game uh, can last, you know, a much longer period of time uh, while still having a story, um, it can get you really invested. I think closer to how you know, uh, kind of a juicy novel can get you really invested in the characters. It just has more time uh, to develop relationships and and so on. And I think at Supergiant, we just look for that synthesis of, of gameplay and storytelling where we try to tell stories in a way that is only possible uh, using the techniques of games and hopefully strike a balance where it's it has kind of the qualities of an authored story uh, with themes and a kind of a beginning, middle and end, but it still feels very uniquely personal to the player in terms of the uh, specific details that happen, the order in which events unfold and so on. Uh, Ariana, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well about how this kind of works with with the game that you're representing as well. You know, what when you're when you're talking to the team about you know how that kind of plays out and in, in the kind of things that they want to nail when it comes to telling this broad story uh, with so many different characters in it. You know, what was the kind of conversations that you had with them about you know how that was going to kind of work and, and how important it was to to kind of bring that storytelling home. So 13 Sentinels was a story written by George Kamitani-san. Uh, it really was a passion project between the Vanillaware team and the Atlas team. Honestly, the you know we're, we're talking about narratives and how video games pull from all these different narratives, and you know it's it's its own unique thing. But 
13 Sentinels in particular is, is really a cohesive love letter to the many stories that came before it. You know, each um, character in the game is playing on a distinct influence in media. For example, you know, one route might feel like it's a mystery. One is like a shoujo manga. Another is like a thriller. So it really is about, you know, pulling all these unique genres that you might have known of, that you might have experienced yourself, and then fashioning that together into a, a new experience through 13 Sentinels. So I think in that way, um, working with the team was very exciting and interesting because everyone who was working on it could relate to a different piece of it. Jake, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, curious to hear your thoughts as well about, you know, how did you kind of kind of come to the story that you that you decided to bring to the world? And, you know, what was very different in the way that you might have told this if it wasn't in video game format as opposed to the way it was? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, as, as Greg kind of mentioned that um, there's like a little a lot of time to work with in video game stories. And, and that can be really interesting. Like they also I think players of video games expect things to move really at a slower pace, especially with adventure games than, than they do in, in any other um, kind of medium. So like you might spend three hours playing an adventure game and you're like, oh, I found my keys. Great. That was a great use of my three hours to, you know, I, I made a sandwich or something. Um, the, the sort of like in, in sort of a, a story space in a novel, you know, it would be intolerable, but, um, but anyway, we, we, my team, we, we really like working at a, at a very well, I, we really like making uh, stories that that unfold at a very slow pace, like like this one that we made, and and that give a lot of space for things to kind of resonate uh, while you have the player doing uh, what seem like mundane tasks. You know, things can be kind of echoing or something. So, um, so I, I really I really uh, enjoyed finding that that kind of openness um, in in this form. Um, and the story for this game, we we. Um, was was pretty character driven, I think, in, in our kind of conception of it. But then as the way the way that it actually played out was mostly um, largely in reaction to what it was like to make a video game, you know, so it was it was pretty um, like I think we get most of our ideas from from doing the work itself and, and uh, get ideas for what should happen in the story from from the kind of challenges we run into in the in the technical components of building it or, or what else. You know, that's sort of a big uh, source of um, of inspiration for us. So um uh yeah you know so just kind of observing the kind of quirks of the form were, were really enough to to put their imprint on on what ended up being the story of Kentucky through neil um, um i'm kind of curious to hear some of your thoughts about you know there's a base story that's there from you know the writer's room and from the collaboration within the team and and, and everyone kind of getting together to figure out and flesh out what that story is but at a certain point, the player then gets to help kind of not necessarily write the story, but, you know, interact in it in a way that necessarily is kind of changing the basis of it. But it kind of feels like they're helping be culpable about like what's happening within this way because of decision making and you know, the way that the game, you know, winds up playing. And sometimes within the game, there may be decision trees or, you know, ways that they can actually affect the story. You know, when you're thinking about, you know, building up the story in a way that gives the player that access to it, you know, what are some of the things that you're kind of hoping, you know, to, to, to bake into it for the experience so that the, the player feels like they have, you know, some access to kind of moving the narrative in, in, in good ways? Well, I mean, there's people have already given such great answers, but uh, I think there is something magical and unique to games that when you're even moving a camera around all of a sudden you're seeing yourself in that space so for us when we tell very kind of 
specific authored stories with very specific um, hyper-defined characters. Um, what we're hoping will happen is through the immersion, through the interactivity, you're putting yourself in the shoes of another character and hopefully seeing the world through their eyes instead of just your own or some kind of weird combination of player character relationship that's happening there. And then it's like, okay, how can we then, you know, we give up some authorship, some control to the player because we can only control pacing to a certain extent. Um, what the player is looking at, we almost can't control at all in the kind of games that we make. Um, how they or they find certain events or notes or certain interactions or lines of dialogue all helps kind of craft that experience. Uh, but hopefully, you know, no matter how you're doing it, um, that interactivity is letting you kind of like imbue yourself more into that character, into that experience, but still kind of reach the message or what this story is about um, while personalizing it in some ways through how you're experiencing it. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's always interesting to see the the kind of like moment when that agency is kind of pushed upon the player, and they they have to kind kind of then you know take the baton and and run with it with the story that you've kind of already laid out. Um, do you feel like that is has gotten easier to do over the years in terms of doing this work and kind of building out those conversations, or do you feel like you uh to kind of you know give the player the 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 basis and the kind of main story that you want to kind of have them experience that you kind of want to take a little bit more of that back. Some things have gotten easier and some things have just gotten harder. Um, there, some things are easier just because we've learned um, through years of making games, you know, we have certain kind of shortcuts and things or like we've developed a language of how do we enter and exit cutscenes in a more immersive way. So it doesn't feel like they're two separate entities that aren't really speaking to each other. Um, but then there's stuff like AI and how can we leverage new tech to make allies in the game feel more like real people um, through how they navigate a space, how they respond to your actions. And those are learnings that we just keep accruing over many, many years and many games. Um, and then, right, we constantly challenge ourselves to tell different kinds of stories, not always sure what the outcome will be. Like with, for example, Last of Us Part Two, one of the things that we gave ourselves a challenge with previous games, we're always very um, cognizant of like, how can we put the player in the most alignment with the character? So like, as Nathan Drake is quipping something, you are just thinking the same thing. You're like, oh my God, he's just like me. Versus here, we made a lot of narrative choices to say, we're probably gonna deviate for most players as far as the actions the characters wanna commit. And can we, through that dichotomy, create a, a different kind of feeling than stuff we've done in the past? Mm. Uh, Nate, in, in, in Ghosts, you know, Jin is kind of forced to abandon his honor in, in order to win win this kind of big war. Um, you know, his change into Ghost and subsequent kind of moral, you know, conflict with his uncle was kind of central to his journey. Uh, you know, how important was it for the overall story that Jin kind of faced these consequences and, you know, in his actions, you know, that they were kind of really meant there to kind of save his people? How do you feel like you made that connection kind of work? Well, from the very beginning, uh, we knew that we wanted to have a, a player fantasy of being a samurai in the open world. And if you're a samurai up against these incredible odds, it, you have to um, kind of challenge the way that you think about organized combat, that there's this code that you would have to go away from. And if you're going to do that, 
you know, it's going to come at a terrific personal cost. Your concept of who you always thought you were going to be changes as you become what the people around you need you to be. And so the, the entire narrative, not just Jin's narrative, but every side character's story exists to tell a different side of what that would be like. Um, the prime relationship is between Jin, our hero, and his uncle, who's the personification of um, kind of the status quo, how things have been done. And he explains, you know, the circumstances of why they came to be. And, you know, really and truly, it only works because you like the uncle and you don't want to lose that relationship. You don't want to lose that person who you care about because that's the person you thought you wanted to be, right? And so, uh, uh, you know, from the beginning, it was always there. That's what we built the whole narrative around. And so, um, you know, <laughs> here you go. Yes, uh, the answer is yes. We knew early on. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Um, and, and it felt like, you know, you know, those those family connections are, are very, very prominent also in, in Hades, where, you know, you're having this this father son conversation that's always there uh, and, 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 and always kind of maneuvering and, and always not necessarily always just in the periphery, but specifically being mentioned during those parts of the conversation how how important was it to kind of lean into those conversations around family with with hades as well greg yeah uh, i i mean quite a similar uh, i can really relate once again to what nate was saying in that it it's kind of like at the heart of the entire concept uh for us uh, that that really you know not so secretly hades is is a is a story about family um and the kind of dynamics the complicated dynamics that can happen uh, with kind of the underlying idea that uh, if, if even the gods have such messy family relationships, then what hope uh, do any of us mortals have? Um, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, when we were thinking about Greek myth and feeling inspired by it, I, I, I got to wondering that, like, I, I think it's a big part of the reason why we can still be talking about it, you know, thousands of years later, because it's not just the, you know, their amazing, you know, godlike abilities that make these characters compelling. It's that they're they're just this big dysfunctional family, right? And and um, throughout history, uh, families have had their dysfunctions. Um, so we can we can still see ourselves uh, reflected in these characters, and we really wanted to kind of pursue that angle in particular, that that point of view um, on on the gods. Yeah, the the family fights within the game were, were were brilliant. I feel like they they came through in ways that definitely made me feel like I need to go have a phone call with somebody <laughs> at some point to say to break bread and to kind of mend fences yeah. to make sure that I'm not leaving you know good things in the uh, on on the table in that way. Um, <laughs> with 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 your game, Jake, uh, I wanted to dig into you know there are a lot of a lot of themes there around you know the working class in in America and kind of the midwest experience you know throughout the five acts of, of the game that you had you know what did you kind of hope that the player kind of took away from the 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 story in in the game that you shared yeah um it you know i think for us we like the reason that that stuff is in the game like stuff like debt um and and addiction is is just that that, that was really like um I mean, it still is going on, but like in the moment when we started the game, it was kind of in the uh, in the midst of the mortgage crisis uh, here, you know, and and so that was kind of we're just looking around and kind of processing that, and and kind of continued throughout the development of the game to try to 
use it as a, a way for us to kind of process and interpret things that were happening, um, especially some sort of anti-immigrant sentiment and stuff like that that sort of emerged in the in the last few years um, that you can see come up in later parts of the game. Um, so, you know, it, I hope for players, I hope that it's it's a uh, useful and, and meaningful way also for them to, to kind of process those things that are still going on or, or to think about them in, in a different way. And um, uh, yeah, so to the extent that there's something specific that I'd like players to take away from it, um, that, that might be it. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm curious also about, you know, within 13 Sentinels, there are these 13 characters that have you know all these different stories and they're they're kind of interweaving and, and, and crossing over and, and touching and you know there's a big venn diagram of, of how it all kind of works for all of those characters but i'm curious to hear you know your thoughts around you know if there were any kind of consistent themes that kind of worked through all of these different stories that that the player kind of had a, had a chance to kind of grab onto. you know speaking from the localization team's uh words here i think really the consistent theme was that each character was a piece of that puzzle. The entire narrative in 13 Sentinels um, is really just about making sure, you know, there's one story that's playing out in a fairly linear fashion. You know, one has all these intertwining threads and subtle details, and there's all this special attention that needs to be paid attention to every single line of dialogue that we are working on to ensure that all the puzzle, those puzzle pieces fit together. So, you know, often one of us will be working through one character's journey and then we're uncovering a new twist that ties into another. So for, for the team, the overarching theme really was making sure all of those connections lead to the, the aha moment that you're supposed to have when you're experiencing that narrative. And it, that's very rewarding. You know, we like to joke that our process was kind of one of discovery while working on a Kamitani-san scripts. You know, it was just so fun and exciting. And I think players experience the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've was, I was always wondered, you know, how difficult it is when you have those many different threads of how to, you know, find the cohesion there and, and figure out ways to to bring them together to kind of to, to, to make that story feel good for the player. And it seems like, you know, from everything that everyone has talked about with the game, that everyone has figured that out and saw that that was working really, really well. Um, Neil, I wanted to, to, to jump back to you really quickly and talk about, you know, you know, Ellie and, 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 and Abby... Are, are really driven, it seems, you know, from this really intense desire for, for, for vengeance, you know, for, for multiple reasons within the game. Um, you know, how, how difficult was it kind of balancing the kind of intertwining nature of, of their stories? They had come from very different places and they kind of meet at this convergence point uh, that, that gets, you know, wrapped around not only places, but people. Um, I was curious to hear how you, you and the team kind of you know, when you're thinking about making the story and writing it, when was the part where you were like, all right, this is a spot where they're going to kind of start to get together and start to, you know, have these combative moments and, and have this part where they actually kind of have that, have that meeting. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think some of the process um, is not dissimilar from previous titles that we have. It's like, you know, we start with just a blank board and you have some ideas that you find inspiring early on. Um, in this in this instance, it was like, oh, how can we tell two stories of people that through circumstances have become antagonistic towards each other, but are not necessarily better or worse morally than the other. Uh, they just have come from different places and are, their stories um, uh, just have placed them at odds. Um, 
So then you have, right, you have like the meeting, you have like the inciting incident, you have all these things that you could throw on the board pretty quickly. And then you start brainstorming as not on just writers, but as a team, like what would be cool to play? What would be interesting circumstances to put you in to really show, okay, here's like what the story's about, which is perspective. What are the different ways we could play with perspective? Um, either through fleshing out these characters or putting them in set pieces or um, seeing different relationships from both sides. And then there's just like a bit of a puzzle, which to me is part of the fun of like writing a story is like, once you have certain constraints in place, it's like, okay, I want these other events, but they kind of put these other things at odds. Okay, we got to pull some pins, rip some cards up. Um, and you're just kind of iterating and iterating and iterating. And the thing that's unique, I think to most games um, uh, is that we write as we go. It's not like, you know, when you make mm. a movie or a TV show, often the script is locked beforehand, then you enter pre-production and you execute it. It's like, we have some form of pre-production, but then we enter production before we really finish pre-production because there's certain things we just can't answer until we start making the game. So it was kind of fun discovering those characters and those relationships as we're building levels. Like for example, Abby's redemption plot with Lev came out of building the Abby and Lev sequence and just seeing those two characters together and how much focus testers and ourselves reacted to that relationship. We're like, oh, we got to extend that and find more ways to explore it. Um, and that's to me is kind of the fun of collaborating with a big team where we're all, we're all chasing the same goal. We're just kind of approaching it from different angles. Is, is that a, a kind of common way of, of, of kind of working story into the gameplay from, from other folks in the call too? Is that, is that you kind of finding that you're getting to certain points and then you're saying, oh, whoa, this landed really, really well. We should probably see if there's some more meat on the bone here um, in that way. Uh, Nate, is, is, that, is that a part of the, the conversation as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you always sort of have uh, like a, an outline of your intention, right? You have the, the story, the, the singular, the defining idea. But then as you build the game, like Neil said, you're, um, you're discovering what the game is as you build the game and as you play it and you find something that's really emotionally electrifying, you follow the thread of that. And sometimes it's a playable verb. Sometimes it's a character. Sometimes it's a way of interacting with another person that you didn't know was going to matter. Like this is kind of a dumb example, but uh, we had in this mechanic in the game where you could get inside of a hot spring. And uh, we thought that this would be an interesting environment collectible. But then as we did it, it became clear, like, what do you do when you get in, into a, a warm bath? You reflect on your life, you know, you, yeah. And so we're like, oh, this is a good opportunity to layer in just a genuine moment of reflection for the hero that the player gets to decide. We didn't plan that. It just kind of occurred to us as we were making the game. And I'm sure all of us have that times you know, 500, right? That is the process of making narrative and video games. Greg, do you remember a moment like that during, during Hades production? Oof. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, I, I, um, it, it's kind of the whole, uh, so many aspects of the game, um, can be described that way where, yeah, very similarly, we had kind of the outline, um, of where the story, what it was going to be, where it was going to go. Uh, this outline, you know, fits onto a page or two. Um, of course, the the actual like narrative content in the game is quite a bit more than that. We're figuring a lot of it out um, as we go along. And there's like a 
like a similarly kind of silly example is we were uh, we're looking for like a like a late game people wanted to keep playing Hades and we wanted to provide incentives for players to do that uh, without kind of forcing players um, to kind of overcome a really difficult skill challenge like some players really wanted to overcome a difficult skill challenge but we didn't want to lock the most essential narrative behind that if that makes sense so we have these like really silly moments where you basically unlock these like completely ridiculous uh, statues uh, if you can exceed certain skill challenges. And these are, I, I think, like some of the funniest moments in the game. They're totally peripheral uh, to the main story. They're like the definition of optional. And and yet, um, I, I think they're very rewarding uh, for players who do get there. So I think we were able to strike a balance of like not have this feeling of where you're, you're denied um, some vital aspect of the story because you're not hardcore enough. And yet, if you are hardcore enough, then you get this kind of uh, funny kind of a funny nod to, to your accomplishments. So that's the one that comes to mind for me. I love that. It's, it's, it's always those kind of happy accidents, right? Where we, you wind up getting into a space and you're just like, Oh, that was not going to be, Oh, we figured, we figured that out. It actually worked in the way that we kind of hoped and get to expand on that in, in, in good ways. Um, now uh, I get to do my favorite part of, of these conversations, which is give away a lovely dice award. Um, we're going to give away our Outstanding Achievement in Story Award, and the DICE Award goes to The Last of Us 2. Uh, you want to give right. the folks at home a little bit of, uh, of, of info and a little bit of words for, for the folks at home? Yeah, um, man, what, a, what an honor, especially like as we're here chatting and I'm like thinking about each one of these games that have not only told compelling stories but i've done it each in a different creative way within our medium like i really think this could have gone to anyone so just shout out to everybody here it's an honor to be amongst you guys i want to i guess call it the narrative team uh my co-writer hallie gross and then joshua and ryan james who helped me co-write this massive game uh and then really everyone at naughty dog um we all work it's it's a collaborative medium um and it, it like we've been talking about here it's so many of the ideas come from either specific brainstorms or just like a chat by the water cooler or just trying to make the best game we can with the tools that we have and um, trying to fumble our way through this. So um, on behalf of everyone at Naughty Dog, just thank you. The Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences is excited to share that the 2022 DICE Summit and DICE Awards will be returning in person to the gorgeous Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino and Delano Hotel in Las Vegas on February 22nd to 24th, 2022. We'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of the DICE Awards and bringing together industry leaders to share their ideas about the many facets of the interactive entertainment industry. Stay tuned to www.interactive.org and our Twitter at official underscore AIAS for more details coming soon, including special anniversary rates. We can't wait to see you again.